everyone. Welcome back to the Rockcast brought to you by Onyx Home Apps. Today, I'm going to do a Q&A, and I actually recorded this uh, like a couple months ago, and it just never got posted. So I'm doing a little new intro for it, and uh, yeah, just went through quite a few questions and answers off of Instagram. If you ever have a question, get a hold of me on Instagram or shoot me a message at jordan at rockslide.com and your question and I'll answer it the next time we do one of these things. So with that, we'll uh, dive right in. So first one here, uh, can you have a discussion about the pros and cons of hunting alone, hunting with one other person, and hunting with three or more people? Um, Which of these situations is the most enjoyable, and which is the best for your primary, uh, if your primary goal is to harvest a mature animal and you don't necessarily care about having fun. Um, the last part gets me a little bit because I think that uh, we should probably always plan our hunts for the most part about what is enjoyable for us and what is the most fun. So if like, if your thing is going and trying to find like the most mature deer um it may not really matter to you how you're doing that because as long as you're you know going after a mature deer um and for the sake of simplicity let's just say that you scouted and you have a big mature deer found um you know it probably doesn't matter how you go in to hunt that deer it's the challenge of finding the big deer that is the important part to you about the having fun portion um because it is fun trying to outsmart a big deer and uh, or i should say an old deer trying to outsmart an old deer in on his home turf um that is fun it's super challenging um sometimes what you have to do to get that done may not be as fun but I think that, you know, if your primary goal is to kill a mature deer, um, it's, you know, something about shooting a mature deer has you going. And it is probably that that age and, and you know, them having the ability to outsmart you pretty really pretty easily. So I think there's that portion of it. And then I think there's the portion of, and I don't think that every hunt has to be the same either, you know. I think that there are times where, you know, like, all right, we're going to go on this hunt and like this unit has a really good opportunity to, to shoot a big, you know, a mature deer. And that's what I'm going to try to do. So there's that portion of it. And then there's the portion of it where it's like, Hey, we're going to go down here and we're going to have a big camp and there's going to be, you know, four of us, we're going to backpack in and have a good camp, or we're just going to do it by the road and have a good camp. And, uh, we don't really know what this unit can produce, but, you know, we're hoping for the best, but we're just out here to, like, the friend uh, camaraderie or fellow hunter camaraderie, and, like, that's your version of fun, and um, so that's really a question that you're going to have to answer for yourself, um, in my opinion, is, like, especially as far as the having fun part of it, it's, like, it's what you think makes the trip more enjoyable to you. Uh, you know, there's, there's some guys that are going to prefer a big camp on the road and that's the enjoyable part to them is coming back and being able to relax and, 
you know, a warm, nice tent or travel trailer or whatever. And then there's some that's like, you know what, what I really like is going back, hunting with camp on my back and that portion of it. I, I do think when it comes to mature deer or more so the mature deer, when you're looking at tipping into like the 180 pluses and just like the really big like inch wise finding something like that I don't really think I think that that is what you have to be after that's what your enjoyment has to be and then you have to be able to do the rest of those things because just choosing to backpack hunt um, you know if you find a deer pretty close to the road it might not be the most effective way to hunt that deer, like packing in and, and camping, like, you know, just on your back. And maybe you might, you know, just the best place to camp is too close to where he's at or whatnot. So that has to come into consideration as well as like, and Robbie talks about this a lot in when, when folks say like, what is the best season to kill a big deer? He says... It could be any of them, but to be the most effective at it, you got to be able to do all of it. Um, and I think that that comes right into play with like how you hunt areas is if that deer or whatever, you know, if you find a big elk or whatever, if that deer for the sake of the story, um, that I'm currently making up, if that deer is three miles back on a ridgeline, and you're like me and you don't want to have to walk in and out every morning, then I'm going to choose to backpack in and choose a spot that I can, you know, hide camp a bit, but still be fairly close to a glassing point where I can glass them up or not too far. Um, so I just have a, you know, a short trek in the morning instead of having to wake up super early and walk a long ways in on a trail and then climb into wherever the heck you can see him from. I'm going to choose to backpack in, but if I found that deer like closer to the road, um, I'm going to choose to have a more cushy camp and, uh, you know, really rely on being comfortable to like help me just stay out there longer and help my mental stability for especially for multiple days in the field looking for a deer that you might not even see every day you know uh i think so i think that all that has to come into it so you know the the question of like which of these situations is more enjoyable that's something that you really gotta gotta ask yourself because for me i've hunted a lot by myself and i love it um, as long as I can have, you know, I'll take my earbuds with me so I can have a podcast, maybe kind of listen to somebody. And then, you know, I have my in reach so I can stay in touch back home and, you know, still be able to talk on the daily and, you know, maybe even on high peaks, get into some cell service. So if I can, you know, kind of stay connected to people that way, then I can stay on the mountain longer by myself. Now that's not the case with everybody you know there's some people that are just like I don't really like hunting by myself um I enjoy it for sure I think that you you look at a lot of these buck hunters like 
big buck hunters in general, just because I'm really tied into mule deer and such. But this could go for elk as well. Uh, I would say the folks that are really consistently getting it done on big animals, a lot of them hunt by themselves. Or they have a very select amount of people that they're hunt that they'll hunt with and just randomly thinking about it on the fly um the guys that shoot the bigger deer that i've heard like they're hunting with maybe one other guy and that person has the same mindset as them that's like all right we're here to shoot this deer and or we're here to shoot you know find a mature deer and they're probably both okay with not shooting a deer maybe um, so I think that has a lot to do with it. Hunting partners in general. I think that this question could honestly be an entire podcast, uh, of its own. So I think that I should try to find a couple of people that maybe fit all of these bills. That's like, yeah, I have a good hunting partner and here's how we work together. Here's why it's better. And then talk to somebody that usually hunts by themselves. Uh, that I think I would fit that for the most part that's starting to change but um i think i would fit that bill for the most part and uh you know then talk to somebody who's like yeah you know going on hunting trip is part of my like definitely part of my vacation and i'm out there to you know shoot a deer but i'm also out there to have fun with my buds so there's all different kinds of ways to look at that but i I would say in short to wrap up what I just rambled on about is like, you gotta find a hunt that you gotta plan the hunt that you want. Um, you can't look at what other people are doing and saying like, Hey, you know, you have to backpack hunt and get way far away from everybody to do this right. Because in the end, there's really, there's no right way besides legal all right everybody gonna interrupt myself real quick to talk about some of our awesome sponsors that help us bring this podcast to the airwaves so first up onyx hunt maps uh been using their maps for a really long time really love how i can integrate things so i like uh in my office i have three screens so i like using one of them to always have maps up which is very true and uh, when I'm out in the field on my phone, I can drop pins. And then when I come back to the office, boom, they're up and live. And then uh, vice versa. And something I've been doing lately is I have my iPad that I used to fly with. And that's pretty much all I use it for. Um, so I thought, well, better use it for something else. So I put Onyx on that. And then I have a big screen, leave it in my vehicle and get kind of a, <clears throat> a live, like a bigger picture Um and to use it like a, like a GPS type deal. So, um, really nice to be able to use it like that. And then everything, the pins that you drop on one thing automatically update on the rest of everything. So that's a really nice feature there. If you use code rockcast checkout, you'll get 20% off. So go check that out. And then black rifle coffee is a go-to in the back country, as well as here at home for, uh, caffeine intake. <clears throat> Currently, our favorite is the AK Espresso. If you use code ROCKSLIDE at checkout, you will get 20% off BlackRifleCoffee.com. 
And yeah, it's great. So uh, then one thing that's uh, a new, <clears throat> I guess it would be like a service, I guess, kind of, is uh, activejunkie.com, which is really taken over. A lot of people are talking about it and it's pretty awesome. So basically what activejunkie.com is, it is a, it's a site that houses like 1500 brands and retailers. And what you do is if you click through to those brands or retailers to make a purchase through the Active Junkie website, they will, Active Junkie will give you cash back up to 20% cash back depending on the brand or the retailer. And that is uh, straight up cash. That is not points to be used on their website for only certain brands. That is a check coming in the mail or a, a direct deposit in your PayPal account every 90 days. So of the purchases you make. So there are a ton of them on there for like for our everyday lives. There's Lowe's on there, which I'm a big fan of um, because we're doing house projects and stuff. So they've got Lowe's. There's like, you know, big brand names of just clothing that you'd wear like every day. And then there's like Cabela's, there's Bass Pro, um, there's Sierra Trading Post. There are a lot of retailers on there that if you go to go through and purchase whatever item you want through them, then Active Junkie will give you cash back, which you can still use it with any coupons or discount codes or anything through the brand or retailer that you're purchasing through, but then Active Junkie will give you cash back on top of that. So it's a great way if you um, do a little bit of research and kind of pick and choose what retailer you go through, uh, you can really stack on some pretty steep discounts and it's a great way to do it. So go to activejunkie.com forward slash rockslide, you'll get to a landing page that uh, is going to have some of the brands and retailers that are probably uh, preferred by, you know, our user group, I guess. So go check those out. A uh, great way to save money. And next up, firstlight.com, uh, firstlight clothing. I've been using firstlight clothing for a long time. Um, you know, they're certainly one of the top in the industry. And uh, I think that everybody's really going to be super happy with the new offerings that are coming in. I'm super excited to share some of them with you. So we've got the Omen rain gear that just came out. And then we've got the Origin hoodie that just came out as well. We've talked about those a lot. Then they just came out with a lot more lifestyle gear as well, which um, is super comfortable stuff. I love wearing it on the daily. I use uh, just like the Corgi guide pants in solid colors. Wear them around town wear them to work in super comfortable super stretchy and they're just kick ass so yeah go check them out firstlight.com next question how much scope magnification is needed for long range hunting um i don't know there i i know some i prefer like more than 12 uh the scope that i currently have is 22 on the high end I think it's it's good to find a scope that has like a large uh a large range. So if you can back out to like three power, that's good. Or like two and a half or maybe like four. I I don't know if I'd want to go a whole lot uh higher than five. But you know, something like a five to twenty I think is a pretty standard like yeah, that would be nice. Um you get up into the 30 powers and like 
in the more than 20s. I saw this a lot when I was uh, filming for the long range show that I used to uh, hunt with a ton. And, you know, you got that. They had a 5 to 30, and there was a lot of times we those guys were backing off a 30 power. Um, and then with that specific system, it was a second focal plane scope, so the, uh, the reticle stayed the same size, basically. No matter what magnification you were zoomed in and out of, the reticle was the same size. So then you're backing out a 30 power, and you're supposed to hold two minutes of wind, and then you need to do a calculation um, to basically like compensate for zooming out because the wind hold wasn't, or the, the reticle in there, like a minute, if it said hold a minute at, you know, at 30 power, when you back that out, you're going to need to hold uh, less than a minute as an example, um, which I'm not good at explaining, especially if you can't see it visually. But um, in short, I think right around that 20 power mark, you know, a little more, a little less. But uh, yeah, I would try to get one that on the on the lower end of that too, you stay lower than five because there's a lot of times, I mean, it doesn't matter if you're set up to be able to shoot out to five, 600 yards. There's a lot of times where you might be shooting closer than that. And um, if you can turn that scope power down, that is a pro move right there. So that's what I guess I'd have to say about that. Um, okay. Next question here. This is off the Rockside Forums too. I'm going to knock these out first. Best tripod head and plate setup to glass and shoot off of. Um, I have not shot off of a bipod a lot. I would say the, or a tripod, sorry. Um, I haven't shot off of a tripod a lot, but what I have has been done with the Spartan Precision which I do like. Um, there was quite a few times actually where I would unscrew one of the legs off of it to go from a tripod to a bipod. That was a pretty handy move when you're sitting down. You could just have a sitting bipod. It was a little easier to move around when you were sitting on your butt, I thought anyways. Um, but I, for glassing, I'm like a big outdoorsman's fan. Um, it's taken me a long time to get the whole system. I've just pieced it together over the years because it is kind of a steep investment. But as as far as like heads and just uh, versatility, the outdoorsman's system is really hard to beat. They do make a a little like a rifle rest mount that is basically two little V's that flip up and stick right on top of your tripod head. So then you have like a rifle rest. Um, so I haven't shot off of a tripod a bunch, but like that's a system that we've looked at. Um, we, Lee and I are both going to get these new little things that FHF gear is coming out with that is basically like a, a V little rest thing that you velcro to a trekking pole or you velcro to your tripod leg or something that gives you a spot to rest your rifle if you need it and it, it always stays on there so instead of having a head attachment that you slide off and you slide on um, it's just a little uh, fabric type V that can velcro 
Velcro to itself, like flush in. So it's, if you have it on a, which I think we're going to have them on our trekking poles. So we always have some kind of like a rest on the trekking pole. So if we need to make like a kneeling shot or, you know, kind of a bent over standing shot, it's on our our trekking poles already. And then you just like, um, the little V flips out and then you have a rifle rest for, you know, a lot of hunting scenarios where you might be walking into an area where, you know, animals are and you might get a shot and you need to be like a br- above brush or something like that. I think that that's like in my mind so far anyways, what I've uh, dreamed up in my brain that is probably to me, that's the most effective way to be very minimalistic about it because there are times like when we were in Colorado, we had bipods on our rifles, but there were not a lot of opportunities to shoot off of a bipod just based on having to be like, instead of shooting across a Canyon at the, at the bulls, we had to be on the same mountain as them. And it was just, it, it was one of those situations where you weren't going to be able to get, a you know three four hundred yard shot where you could probably get you know prone and steady for it it was going to be like a 200 yards and in which is probably being uh probably gracious on what that mountain was actually like probably going to be more like 100 yards and um just due to how it was you were probably going to make some noise. There were a lot of elk eyes around, so they were probably going to see you at some point, and you were probably going to get a quick shot that you were going to have to stand for or kneel for. So that's why we're going to get those little Vs. As something to shoot off of a tripod, like at distance, um, I think the Spartan is a good option to look at. At least that head, that Davros head that they've got, you could throw it on another set of tripod legs um and then let's see and then that outdoorsman's would also be a good option if you're using the, the whole outdoorsman system but other than that you know there are uh certain mounts like if you're using a head that has an arca adapter um you can throw in an arca plate depending on your rifle you can throw an arca plate on your rifle and it'll be able to to clip in to your tripod that you're already using if you're using an arca type uh, adapter so there's a lot of different ways you can go with it i guess what i'm saying is for the most part i just shoot off of a bipod i hunt in country that you can but in the chance that you can't and we're not going to be in country like that uh, we're going to have that little FHF gear, uh, little V thing stuck on the side of the tripod legs or our trekking poles in our case. So we can have some kind of a rest to to shoot, to just to help us um, in the chance that we need to take like a kneeling shot. So go look at that stuff, I guess, if that sounds familiar to you. Okay, on to the Rockcast Instagram. What are some tips for someone starting out planning more out-of-state hunts? Um, I would say, gosh, almost in this day and age of the preference point systems, um, 
pick the states that you would like to go to. And that really could be for any reason. That could be like if you just like Colorado for some reason because everybody goes there or everybody talks about it or there's like some kind of like nostalgia or whatever to it. Like go to Colorado and pick out a spot there. So I would say pick a state whatever that means, you know, pick two or three states that you think you want to go to or whatever you think you can swing. And I would go into those systems and just look at how the draw systems are and realistically figure out uh, what units you can get into, you know, maybe on the next year, the next couple years. A decent way to do it, I think, is get into a state that you want to, you know, maybe hunt a more quality unit on, how many ever points that might take, start building points for that. And then maybe the next state is more of an opportunity type state, a little bit easier to get a tag, um, you know, might be a lesser on the quality side, but we've had plenty of podcasts talking about some of these over-the-counter, fairly easy to draw units. And if you put the time and the effort in, um, there are good deer that can come out of those or elk. Um, but that's what I would say. Develop some kind of a plan that maybe after a couple of years you can get set up to where you can hunt every year. And it might be a different state every year. But if you get them lined up and get your the preference point system or the bonus point system figured out, um, that would be where I would probably start. And I think even before that, more so, you got to ask yourself, like, what kind of a hunt do you want? Do you, you really want a backpack hunt or do you want to take a backpacking trip? Because I think that those are, those are a couple of different things. Um, so, yeah, find out what kind of hunt, uh, hunt you like. There's a lot of resources out there now. Uh, you know, if you get the, like, uh, if you get the Onyx Elite membership, you can have the the maps for multiple states and landowner information for multiple states and whatever. And then you can also right now you can like get on Top Rut and the Hunt and Fool through that Elite membership situation. Um, so there are a lot of resources out there to be able to look at units that you can draw, and so. That's what I would do. I would figure out, you know, what kind of hunt you want to do, what kind of states, what are the states that you can do those in. Check out the preference point systems or just the point systems and figure out, do I even have a realistic chance of drawing this top choice that I want to go to? Or do I need to start building points and plan for the long game on that? And then I think it's still important to be able to hunt you know, every year or try to get out and hunt every year. So maybe you need to choose other states to do those easier draw or over-the-counter type hunts. Um, so there's just a, there's a lot to it. I can see how it certainly can be overwhelming. And, you know, I kind of just started on certain states, started on Wyoming and capitalized on that and then I dipped down and tried Colorado after a little while and got in on that and I went did a a late Arizona um, archery elk hunt so I like dipped in and tried that a little bit and then now 
focusing more on Idaho because it's where I live now, but still going to dip back over into Wyoming. And so it just, uh, it just takes time. But I think the big thing is just com- one big thing, honestly, is just committing to yourself to do it um, and start starting to plan it. And let's see. Justin Crosley asked, have you kept track of how many miles you hike before feeling like you need to swap insoles? I have not. Honestly, I've never even thought of that, which is probably something that, uh, that I should think about. I will say for me though, I swap, I swap boots a whole bunch. So, uh, and I don't always swap my insoles out with them. So yeah, maybe I shouldn't even have come up with that or I shouldn't even have asked that question to myself. Cause, uh, I really don't keep track of miles. Um, I might do a roundabout guesstimation just based off of like, if I know where a deer is or whatever, and I go back and mark it on Onyx and measure the distance. I usually measure it like, or just look at the trail miles that are on Onyx already. And I might guesstimate how much, but I don't actually keep track. Maybe I should. Okay. On to my personal Instagram for questions. Uh, what tent would you recommend for Alaska float hunts in September? Never been on a float hunt. Um, but I'm also kind of asking the same question to myself. We're going to do a flying caribou hunt in earlier season though, in August. And I'm kind of wondering what kind of a system I want to take with me. I am kind of thinking a floorless shelter with a nest. It's going to be like, we're going to be on the tundra. So there's probably going to be nothing to burn to bring a stove. And it's also going to be in August. So probably don't need to burn anything, but may need to get away from the bugs. So, um, I think that a floorless shelter gives you a lot of usable space for the weight, which I really enjoy. And then having a nest can just make it that more versatile to use it in the earlier seasons when you don't need a stove and you might have a bug problem. So I'm not hundred percent sure. I, from what I've read and researched and talked to people we're going to do a podcast on this for sure before I go on this hunt and then after I get back. But, um, yeah, I would kind of lean towards uh, floorless for that trip, I think. And especially, you know, if you're going to be on, on the river and around timber, you might be able to find firewood to burn. So that uh, little stove might be a super awesome thing to have. So that's what I would say, but I'm kind of in the same boat. Uh, thus far, I'm planning on taking the new Argali, probably either the two-person. It's a fly-in, so I might take the four-person with the insert. So that's what I'm going to do. But we're going to have a podcast on this whole thing before I go, for sure. Um, how's the holster working for you? Razco asked that. Um, I do like that holster a bit. I'm looking forward to seeing like more of a chest harness system coming from them instead of the Razco underneath the bino harness. Um, Leah has actually been using that this last year and she really likes it a lot. Um, I started with the, I've been using a chest holster and, uh, 
from, let's see, who the heck is that from? Dang, I'll remember it. But I'm using a chest holster, and it goes underneath my bino harness, and actually doesn't even attach to my bino harness, because it seems like a lot of times I'm getting to a glassing point or something like that, and I'm just dumping my bino harness. is like the first thing I do to get it off to like layer up or something, throw a puffy jacket on. And, uh, yeah, I want to have that, that pistol with me all the time. So I personally really like that chest harness and then throwing a bino harness over the top of it. Um, it is, you know, it's a little extra straps around your shoulders, but really doesn't bother me. So that's what I'm doing. But that Razco is a super good option if you want your pistol to be carried like uh, more towards your chest or on your bino harness. That Razco's pretty kick-ass. All right, next question. He says, uh, I probably know the answer to this one, but are all of your whitetail trips booked for 2022? They are. Like, we're full up for 2022, well on our way for being full for 2023. So if anybody is super interested on hunting whitetails in Nebraska with us next year, give me a shout. Uh, next question, best backcountry portable power charger. So, uh, dark energy charger. I like that one a lot. They are the, you know, they're, they're pretty small and easy to pack and they're not super heavy and they are durable. Like, you know, they, they have to be more durable than, uh, than the other ones that you get from like Best Buy or whatever. But sometimes I want some more, a little more bang in there than 10,000. So I have a RAV power that's 22.5, I think, on the milliamps. So quite a bit bigger. I just have a lot of stuff to charge, like, especially um, for in service, you know, charging my phone because I'm running the apps and I'm talking to people off it. And then I've got my inReach. And then the big thing is the cameras that need to get recharged, the batteries and such. Um, so I like the RAV power. I also like the dark energy. So if you don't, sometimes I just take two dark energies, uh, on the sheep hunt. I think I took two of them and then my camera guy took like five of them. <laughs> and, uh, uh, another thing that's really good that you can do though, if you want to get a battery bank that is a little bit lighter and smaller maybe you know that 10,000 milliamp you can get a solar panel if you're going to be in a situation where you think you're going to have a lot of solar and uh, I ended up going with a panel from RAV Power that I bought off Amazon it is a it's a 22 watt panel I'm just quite sure and uh, it's foldable and it's really not bad like I packed it on my sheep hunt and it was fine um but that way, if your battery runs out of power, it's, I guess where I came up with that whole thing is I would rather take one battery bank and the solar panel and be able to recharge that solar, that battery bank rather than taking two or three battery banks. And then once they're out of power, they don't get any lighter and they're just kind of dead weight, which can be frustrating. So I like going with like that 10,000 or 20,000 milliamp charger and pairing it with a solar panel if I'm going to go for like, you know, a week or more. 
And that seems to be a pretty good system. I did look a couple of times, and people were saying that the RAV power, they didn't have the solar panels anymore. Um, so I hopped on Amazon, and they I couldn't find any either, but Anchor makes one that is like exactly the same. So Dark Energy is a good power bank to look at. Uh, RAV Power is another good one, and then Anchor is another good one. Uh, A-N-K-E-R. So... You can go check those out. Uh, next question. Is the BTX worth the wait? So, uh, I have not carried one. I've been around them a bit, and they're super cool to look through. I haven't really been around one a lot. Um, but they're super cool to look through. I think that that BTX eyepiece, what I've been around, is a fixed 30 power. So, it's kind of like... It's a little niche item, I think. It uh, you got to be pretty far to be able to really use it correctly. So if you're really close, it's just like too much power, and you're too close to something. Um, whereas like just a single eyepiece, you can have uh, variable power. Um, is it worth the wait? Gosh, it's like honestly just depending on what you're doing. So a couple years ago, we I filmed a the governor bighorn sheep tag holder in Idaho and that outfitter took a BTX in with him and it was pretty amazing what you could see in low light with that and so in that that portion like it's it got us it was really impressive a couple of times that like made it worth the wait for sure uh you know, and when you're doing some extreme long-range glassing, then, you know, it's really worth it. But uh, it's it's really hard if you're just going to go buy a spotting scope and you're like, hey, I think I'm just going to buy this BTX eyepiece and only have that. Um, I think it's going to limit you a little bit. So it depends on what you're doing and how much glassing you're doing and how far away and such. And... Uh, it's a super cool piece. It just like it really fits in kind of a small realm of, you know, hunting as a as a whole or a hunting trip as a whole. Depending on what you're doing, of course. So, sorry I don't have a better answer for you, but there you go. Uh, okay, best point and shoot camera. So I've got I've been getting a lot of questions on this lately, actually, um, from folks that were just gonna go like you know, run to Best Buy or Amazon or whatever and buy one. What I would just recommend to everybody is go to tinesup.com. I talk about these guys all the time, and I have purchased full price everything I've ever got from them. Um, just as a little disclaimer. So if you go to tinesup.com, they have a deal, or it might be scopecamadapter.com. Anyway, they have a deal called a scopecam adapter, and it is basically a digiscoping adapter that they have put on a point-and-shoot camera so you can film and or take pictures through the spotting scope or your binoculars. I have done both with mine. The kit, they sell two different kits. One of them is an Olympus Tough, like one of those tough waterproof cameras. Um, that is the cheaper option, I think. And then the next option they have for like higher quality is a Canon G9X Mark II. And that is what I currently have. I purchased it right through them. They put the digiscoping adapter 
uh, on it for you. The base ring, uh, they epoxy it on there for you, which is kind of nice that you don't have to mess with that. And then you get, you know, the adapter for it as well. I have the universal adapter that you can basically adjust how big the ring is. So I can go from, you know, especially it's nice if we're filming and I don't have my own spotting scope with me, I can just adapt to whatever spotting scope the guide has or the hunter has and use their system. Um, and then I can jump over to my system. I can put it on any pair of uh, binoculars that I've been around. I can make it small enough for any one of those eyepieces, which is really nice. And um, yeah, it's super versatile and then it takes good video and photos just in general. So you get a good photo video camera and then just for a little bit more you can have a good digiscoping tool as well. So that is what I would say. Another option are like the really popular cameras are Sony RX100s. There's probably like seven editions of that now. Um, or they call them Marks. But there's probably a bunch of different editions by now. Um, but that can be a really good camera option too. For like my main cameras that I'm running when I'm like professionally filming, I run all Sony. So the RX100 could be a really good option, but Tines Up has this Canon kit and I really think it's kick-ass. So that's what I would do. Okay, all right, next question. I need a new rangefinder without taking out a second mortgage. What you got? So I am probably partially a little biased, but I think for a very good reason to the Sig Kilo rangefinders. They just came out with their new series, so you've got like um, you've got the 8K, which is you know the whiz bang of all uh, rangefinders. You know it's it has uh, applied ballistics on it, but they also still make like if you can find like a 1600, an 1800, uh, a 2200 from a key, uh, from Sig the Kilo rangefinders, like they're fairly inexpensive, and they can really be really versatile. And I've got along with all of them that I've had. I've got along with them really well. Um, the other rangefinders that I've been around have honestly just been the Leicas. And I was around the Vortex once <clears throat> way back in the day. And I've been around SIGs. I've had SIG for the last like four years. So um, I've been a big fan of those. And uh, yeah, that's what I would that's what I would go look at. One of the SIG kilos. Okay. I just bought a cross rifle, and I love it. Nice. Uh, what scope, sling, and bipod do you use? So <clears throat> I have a couple different bipods. I bought an Atlas before my sheep hunting trip and used it a little bit, and then I ended up just taking the Spartan for weight purposes on that sheep hunting trip. So those are the two that I've got. I have a, a Spartan Pro-Tac, and I have the Atlas and um, they're both just different, you know, uh, they're just a, a different system for like, you know, the most simplistic and lightweight option that Spartan is really kick ass and we love them. 
And then the Atlas is a little more of a, like, a tactical, like, more adjustments type of a deal. So um, I'll run that on the heavier setups, I guess, that I've got. So those are the two that I've used, and I really like them as far as the bipod goes. For a sling, I don't use a sling for the cross. Um, one new sling that I saw coming out that I'd really like to get my hands on, it would be cool, is FHF has one coming out that they have it. Uh, you put like an adapter. It's either the, I think it's the female end of a buckle, or it might be the male end of a buckle. goes on the shoulder strap of your backpack. And then the sling has, like, uh, the other end of that. So the straps can, or not the straps, sorry, the buckle click, uh, clicks into each other. So then the sling is, like, static to your backpack strap, and it doesn't slide off, which is annoying as hell to me. So that could be a good option for a sling. Otherwise, I try to avoid slings at all costs. And honestly, for the cross, since it folds down so nicely, a lot of times I just have it on my backpack until we get into an area, and then I'm just carrying it in my hand. Um, another really good system is, like, uh, the Kafaru Gun Bear. That is a really nice system, especially once you get used to it. Keeps your hands free, but your rifle is still really close. It's not, like, strapped on your pack where you have to take your pack off to, uh, to get access to it. So... Those are the three options I would look at. The new deal coming out from FHF, I think they just call it their rifle sling. And then the Kafaru Gun Bear. And I guess those are the only two options that I gave myself. Okay, let's see. The new or the next generation inherits your taxidermy. What is their obligation? Hmm. That's tough. I mean, just thinking about my children trying to get rid of my sheet mount kind of makes me boil at the seams. And I don't even have children yet. But uh, I'm not sure. I'm a very sentimental person, so there's a lot of things that like I would think that I would want them to keep that. But uh, I don't know. That's, that's tough. Okay, next question. Marsupial or T and K bino harness? Pros and cons. Okay, so I've used both of these. This last year I got a T and K harness um, to support my buddy Tyler and his business. And uh, I like it. They're forward, you know, they're both forward folding. Um, and there's they're just they're just both different. Like they're not neither of them are bad. Um you know, given the, you know, the side-by-side -side comparison, I give the edge to, I would probably give the edge to marsupial for a couple of different reasons. Um, one thing, and this is how Tyler built his harness, and it's like, it's just the way it is, you know. Um, he's got the molly on the side, so there's not like a place to put your wind checker pouch. He sells that separately, which <clears throat> is a really versatile system for like modularity and being able to customize it how you want to. So that is going to be for a person that maybe wants to do that more. And then, you know, on the marsupial side, uh, Jim built his with a little more of like, 
here's a simplistic basic harness that has like your necessities so you can hold your wind checker you can put something else in the other pouch if you want to there's a little zipper pouch in the front you can put something in if you want to um and then tyler has a little bit different mindset of he just wants to make it very modular and you can kit it out how you want because not everybody puts a wind checker in their vina harness which is 100 percent true so it really just depends like on how modular you want to make it or what little things you like um i think i like the forward opening a little bit more from the uh, marsupial because the front when you open it there's a little bit more of the binocular exposed in the front so it seems like it's easier to grab out but i mean very minor very minuscule differences they're just not apples to apples they're different harnesses and they were built um with different purposes in mind and that's pretty much uh what I have to say about that, you can kind of, I can make anything work. Um, the most important thing for me on a bino harness is that thing is, I really want it to be enclosed or like damn near as enclosed as you can make it um, for dust purposes. We're jumping in side-by-sides a lot and um, burning down dirt roads. So <clears throat> I want that, uh, I just don't want it to be super dusty when I when I get to my destination. Okay, next question. Are we going to see a sheep hunt video or have I missed it? You haven't missed it. Um, thus far, there's not a certain release date, but looking like early May. From what I've heard, the video is done. I have not seen it yet, but a couple of people uh, from the company that is doing it has seen it. And they said it's badass. So... I am chomping at the bit to be able to see it and get a release date set so I can tell everybody. Okay, next question. Kafaru tactical frame, good for training purposes. Yeah, I mean, I think it's good for all purposes. Basically, the tactical frame is just a thicker frame sheet so it doesn't barrel as easy or as easily with uh, like super heavy or awkward loads. Um, so going to be a little heavier, not going to be like as flexible. So in, in my opinion, kind of in a minor way, it might not be as comfortable as the light frames, but, uh, that's a fantastic frame and I wouldn't necessarily, unless you really want to, like, you don't need to have a different frame for hunting and a different frame for training like you definitely do, do not need that like if you um that light frame is gonna be just as good for training as for like hunting purposes so it's kind of what i have to say about that i think that you should train as close to you know using the real stuff as you're gonna do and you know not really maybe clothing wise for me but footwear is one of those things that you're going to want to, you know, train in or hike in just makes more sense than, um, than, you know, putting like trail running shoes on or something, unless you're trail running or you have a purpose, I guess just you want to use the same equipment as much as you can is what you're going to be hunting as when you're going to be hunting, I guess I should say. 
Um, yeah, and then to go along with that, your backpack is the same thing. Just use the same equipment that you're going to use in the field. Next question. How's the turkey hatch looking out in the Pine Ridge area? I'll be out there in April. Um, from what I've seen in the photos that I have received, uh, it's looking pretty good, but I haven't been there yet, so I don't really have much to tell you there. It has been a fairly mild winter from what I gather, so hopefully it's pretty good. And Justin Clement asked if we want to meet in Arizona again for an elk hunt. And the answer is yes, Justin. And then, all right, last question, I think. This is the last question. Uh, new bag time. Think I could drop a lone wolf in on the meat shelf of the Muskeg 2800. I absolutely think that you could do that. But I would... I would uh, point folks to, or I would point you to look in the direction of the new Hellbender that has just been released. It's a heck of a lot like the Striker XL from Kafaru, except that meat shelf that is like super easily accessible is lined with like an X pack, so keeps it uh, like keeps blood and things like that out of your main bag and just keeps it. That material just doesn't soak up that stuff, so it's easier to clean, easier to get rid of all the blood. Um, that is going to be a really sweet system to throw a trail or a tree stand in and out of. I used the striker to throw tree stands in a lot this last summer, or it might have been the summer before last. But anyways, when I'm hanging tree stands and stuff, uh, I've got that striker and I just throw a tree stand and sticks right in that load shelf and then... I roll out. Um, the Hellbender will be a little bit closer to that 2800 cubic inch mark. It's going to be more like 20, uh, 22, I think, or 21. But, uh, you know, and it has a sewn in pocket on it. You can add another pocket on the back if you want. You can add a lid on it if you want for some extra space to get you up to that 2800 ish. But, um, yeah, I, I would really. If you want a bag that you can do, you can, that's easier to like drop tree stands and blinds and things like that in, um, that Hellbender or the Striker XL is going to be, is going to be your thing. So, and that is all I have received for, uh, for question and answers. Um, I did just get my doll sheet back, uh, Hunter's Choice Taxidermy in Nampa. Idaho did it for me. Um, RJ and his crew did a really kick-ass job. And yes, it did get done very soon because uh, he wanted to use it for a show. And was like, hey, if you let me use this thing for a show, it's going to be done in March. So that's what we did. And yeah, no complaints on going full body with that thing. We hung it on the wall in the living room. And it takes up. A lot of the wall, it doesn't really fit the house, but uh, it's definitely staying on the wall. So, just wanted to give a shout out to Hunter's Choice there in Nampa. Good set of dudes. And, gosh, what else do I got? I think that's it. 